Big Rab Show podcast is kindly sponsored by G1 Reads. They are the champion's choice, with many bands around the world playing G1 products, including two-time world champions in Vararian District. So check out g1reads.com as they keep the lights on here on the Big Rab Show podcast. Hello there, everyone, and welcome to another Big Rab Show. Yes, how are you? Another week has rolled round in the bagpiping world, and it's time for another Big Rab Show pod. Yeah, episode 302. Yeah, I know. Big wheel keeps on turning, I guess. Uh, but yeah, another week has rolled round in the bagpiping world, and you might have guessed what this week's topic is all about, given the title of the show. Yeah, we should really stop doing that and giving away the topic each week just by titling the episode of what we're talking about. But hey, there you go. We've been doing it for this long now. Why change the habit of a lifetime, I guess? Uh, But yes, let's get into introductions first of all. Um, Yeah. If this is your first ever Big Rab Show podcast, then you are welcome. We are the show for the bagpiping folk, reflecting everything in the bagpiping world, be it Celtic music, folk music, or indeed our bread and butter, which is competitive piping and drumming. Each and every week, we talk about what we know and love to be the music of the great Highland bagpipe and its people. And yes, we know it is the age-old cliche, but yes, like every other podcast out there, we do have a Patreon. So if you would like to help support the show, then you can. You can go over to Patreon and click on support and you get your hands on tons of extra stuff. And I mean, there's loads over there. Yeah, we have a great community over there on Patreon. Uh, and we affectionately call them the Patreon faithful uh, because those guys are awesome. Absolutely. And by way of uh, getting a Patreon membership, uh, you get access to our weekly Fuse FM Balamoney radio show. So that's not bad. You get a two-hour radio show in your download box every week. Uh, but also you get exclusive interviews, performances, uh, just there's tons of stuff back there. Trust me, there's a wealth of great stuff there for our Patreon faithful, and uh, yeah, we absolutely love it over there. So consider clicking on support, indeed. All right, well, we've got a lot of news and updates, and of course, a big topic of the week this week. Everything to get through in this week's pod, but well, yeah. I don't know. We'll do what we can to get it all squeezed in this week. It's going to be quite a busy show. Now, uh, we start each and every Big Rab show with some listener mail. And as always, our email address has never changed from day one. It's bigrabshow at gmail.com. That address again, bigrabshow at gmail.com. Now, I have to say, we got a lot of emails in following last week's podcast where we launched uh, the Big Rab Show Awards. And yeah, we got a lot of questions in about the Rab Show Awards. Mostly... Pretty much asking the same questions that we get every year around the Rab Show Awards. Uh, Namely, uh, why isn't my band featured in this? Or why isn't my mate with a great beard featured in this? Why isn't my product featured in this? You get the picture? Yeah, a lot of people questioning why their certain favourite hasn't been included in the awards. And uh, yeah, a lot of people complaining, saying that, uh, oh, we deliberately kept them out of it. And all of the, you know, conspiracy theorists. Um, but absolutely not. No, I, yeah, our awards every year go on public nomination. And we've said it time and time again that if you don't nominate your favorite, then they can't be included. And it also goes on numbers as well. One nomination is fine, but if we receive more than one nomination, then that's a stronger case for that person, that band, that venue, that whatever. And in the case of a Rab Show Awards that we run every year, it is definitely a numbers game, and we whittle it down to a final four. 
we have to have a cutoff somewhere. We can't just have everyone nominated in there and have, yeah, categories with over 50 people or 50 bands or 50 venues. Do you understand? So, yeah, we have to make a decision and cut our list down. Uh, so this year we decided for four finalists in each category and that is what it is. So... Whenever people are accusing us of, you know, cherry picking our own favorites and that this is a Rab Show Awards chosen by Rab, no, absolutely not. It's crowd crowdsourced, and at the moment the voting is ongoing. I have to say, uh, so yeah, I did a check on how the voting was going uh, just before I hit record tonight, and can I say? All right, okay, I'm going to level with you. We've received thousands of votes, and I'm not joking, but we have received thousands of them. And some of the categories, I'm not going to say which, some of them, the difference between winning an award and not winning an award is two votes. Two votes between winning and not winning in, in some categories. Not, not just one, but I'm saying some. There's a few categories in there where there's maybe two votes in it. And that's the difference between winning and losing, I guess. Uh, So, mm, yeah, whenever we stress get your votes in, we absolutely mean it. Now, I think, and well, just last night, actually, on Tuesday night, as we're recording this podcast on Wednesday night, uh, we uploaded a bit of a video explainer talking about all of this. We hope to answer all your questions that we got in on our emails. Uh, Again, talking about the selection of nominees for the Rab Show Awards, but also how voting works. And, yeah, we showed you folks how to access the website, how to go and place your votes and all of that. So it's all up there. Yeah, you can go and check out the Rab Show social media. Everything there to do with the Rab Show Awards is all up there, including our detailed video, uh, which is about 20 minutes long, where you know the whole process gets walked through. Uh, so we hope that we've managed to allay every single question. Uh, but I have to say, the Rab Show Awards have never changed. We've been running the same Rab Show Awards now for years, even through the pandemic, where we, well, granted, we did change our uh, criteria. You know, we changed our categories i guess to better reflect what the piping world was going through at that time uh, but now the music's back on the grass again we've reverted back to our old formula and uh, our old categories are back uh, so yeah the rap show awards have not changed uh, so that's been another question that's been asked quite a few times but there you go by way of an introduction for listener mail <laughs> it's been mostly all rap show awards related it's been a load of questions asking about the awards so we hope that our video and that short explainer there hopefully answered a good dose of your questions so thank you everyone who emailed in uh we also got an email here from deborah he said hi big rab i just wanted to give you kudos for correctly pronouncing poconos uh, th- yeah, that was one I really struggled with on last week's pod. <laughs> uh, she goes on to say, It is a mountain resort area in northeast Pennsylvania, USA. I'm impressed that on the second show I've listened to, you banged that right out. I'm a native Pennsylvanian, and I'm new to the piping world. As I'm a member at Dojo U, you know they recommend your show for immersion on all things bagpipes. Ah, there you go. Excellent. I didn't know that, actually. So, yeah, excellent. Hello, all to you Dojo U listeners. Uh, she goes on to say, love, love, love your podcast. I am learning so much, not to mention you have a great humor. Ah, oh, thank you. Uh, one week in on my practice chanter, uh, but loving bagpipes since I'm a graduate of the Edinburgh University of Pennsylvania, home of the F- Fighting Scots. There you are. So the town was originally settled by folks from Edinburgh, and that's from Deb, Deb Owens. Awesome stuff. No, that's great. And hi, I'm so glad I pronounced that right. Poconos. Poconos. So, yeah, I did 
Uh, well, I tried a few times, I have to admit, and I did pronounce it like three different ways, but the one that made it into the final cut, thanks to the magic of editing, I just crossed my fingers and hoped that it was the correct pronunciation. So there, there you are. There you are. I'm famous for pronouncing stuff wrong, by the way. So that's why we have stuff that rap got wrong. There you go. So if I do pronounce something wrong, please do forgive me. I am kind of famous for it at this point, pronouncing stuff wrong all the time. Uh, so, yeah, just you can freely poke fun at me uh, by sending this in listener mail. BigRabShow at gmail.com. <laughs> There you are. So, yes, as I say, uh, our show does thrive on listener interaction, and most of it has been all about Rab Show Awards recently. Uh, but, yeah, if you do have any comments or queries, anything at all about the Rab Show, please do send them in to us, uh, to our listener mail, bigrabshow at gmail.com. And we'd love to give you a shout on the show. Alrighty. Right, let's get into the next section then, shall we? Of course, it's time for Word of the Week. <laughs> Word of the Week here on the Big Rapture Podcast. Ready. Yes, absolutely. And although I dare say that's probably a little bit predictable, but I don't know. Stu from the British Drum Code loves to play along and try and guess the Word of the Week. Uh, but did you guess it? Ready? Uh, yeah, the, the reason we have the word ready is, of course, we had this past weekend, we had the World Solo Drumming Championships there in Glasgow. And a good number of our drummers out there put a serious amount of work in to be ready. And I have to say, the standard across the solos was just incredible. Uh, so that really kind of inspired uh, this week's Word of the Week. Uh, but also, looking across to this weekend, and we're working towards the Glenfiddich, and we'll get into all of that. But right now, I do know on good authority that a good number of the competitors are already going through that process, and have been for a number of weeks now, getting ready. Now... I do know this is October now and the nights are getting cold, freezing, and I know as I'm recording this, the rain is bouncing off my window here. It's absolutely terrible out there. And I do know that folks going to band practice two nights a week in this weather and, uh, yeah, it's just horrible. Let's just say it as it is. It's not pleasant at all. But all of the struggle that we go through over these winter months... I've said it time and time again here on the show, that is when the prizes are won. It's not whenever you're on the grass in that circle with the clipboard and everything. No, the hard work is done now, during those winter months, learning those MSRs and that hornpipe jig. You know, this is the time when the work is done and then, yeah, you just walk into the circle and collect your trophy. You know what I mean? (laughs) So I know it sounds like a very old cliche, but the work you put in now through the winter months will pay dividends whenever you hit that circle next year and you will be ready. There you are. So I hope that does kind of drive some sort of inspiration for you. And uh, especially following the world solos this past weekend, you did see how many people were just ready for it. You know what I mean? And then, I dare say, this weekend with the Glymphitic, which I'm all sorts of excited for, we will see a lot of competitors tread the boards there at Blair Castle, and they will be absolutely ready. So that is this week's Word of the Week right there. Ready! Indeed. All right. So, yeah, if you do have a suggestion for Word of the Week and that, of course, then do consider joining us on Patreon, uh, where all of our Patreon faithful do have an open door where they can suggest Words of the Week. There you are. All righty. 
Okay, you guessed it. It's time for one of our favourite sections here on the show. Ah, JD, have we got a weekly drone this week, man? It's the weekly drone. First off, congratulations to you and all the team on 300 episodes. That's such a massive achievement, one you should all be rightly proud. Can I ask about other piping pods and ask just what is going on? The premier pipe band podcast? Chanterant? Up to the line? The beer tent? And the lady pipers? I haven't heard any fresh content from them in months. Have to say, the Droning On podcast is smashing, but doesn't produce content each week like you guys do. So what makes the Big Rab Show different? How can you guys do it and the rest can't? Feel free not to answer, but just figured I'd ask. The other pods are absolutely worth their salt. I guess I'm just disappointed when they all inexplicably stop. Oh, and I want to test JD. Will he really say anything I type in here? The answer is yes. Hey Paul, if you're listening, you're not practicing. Thank you again, Rab, to you and all the team. The effort and work that goes into your show does not go unnoticed. Keep it going. <laughs> oh, weekly droner there. Uh, testing, JD. There you go. Uh, so, <laughs> test. I, I loved that, putting JD to the test. I dare say we'll have people out there now typing all sorts of madness in there for JD just to read out in the pod. That'll be fun. Um, but yeah, you put JD to the test, uh, giving someone come po- called Paul a shout out. So, Paul, if you are listening, mate, you're not practicing, uh, whoever you are. So, maybe. Yeah, pick the sticks up or the chanter or, yeah, get some practice done. Yeah, and then come back to the pod, of course, and listen to the rest of this. Uh, (laughs) Random. Uh, But, yeah, talking about other piping-based podcasts, uh, yeah, we got this weekly drone, but we also got a few emails as well asking about Chanter Rant and what's happening with the Chanter Rant lads. Um, Honestly, not the first clue. Um, I've been in contact with with Josh uh, from Chanteran, and uh, yeah, he's basically saying that life has been incredibly busy for both of them. Uh, We do know that Andy Fusco has been in Australia competing uh, with the Brisbane Pipe Band. Not sure if he's back yet or what the story is, uh, but we also know he's playing with a rock band and stuff. Um, I think it's Shatter the Moon, you call it. So he's playing drums with a rock band. Uh, and Josh has just been incredibly busy himself as well. You know, he's been like volunteering and helping at different like events and things. So yeah, the pair of them have just been incredibly busy. And I guess uh, yeah. As for other podcasts, I have no idea. Um, as far as the Lady Piper's pod is concerned, yep, it's been months since we've heard from them. Uh, you know, see the Up to the Line pod. I think they did put out an announcement saying that they pulled the plug and that you know it's a game over for them. I suppose I don't know. I can't remember now, but it has been a long time since we've heard from Up to the Line. As for the premiere bagpiping podcast, uh, I think the last we heard from them was back in April, and there's been not much since then. I guess a contribution to that is that their band, uh, Mesa Caledonia, has been back in competition, I suppose. I think recently they were at Stone Mountain. Um, so maybe they're yeah they're practicing and producing music with their band and competing rather than producing podcasts. So I, I guess that's the case. 
I just don't know. I, I'm like you guys. I'm a fan of Pipe and Bass podcast. Absolutely. If anything, uh, one that was mentioned there, the beer tent, was absolutely the antithesis and the inspiration behind the Big Rab Show. I think that's where the title came from. Uh, I used to send them like voice reports and stuff like from on the ground. Uh, you know, like I do you now at competitions. And uh, I sent them like on the ground reports from the worlds and stuff uh, for the Beer Tent podcast. And I think someone joked saying, oh, this isn't the Beer Tent anymore. This is the Big Rab Show. And uh, I think that's how the show got its name. And that's where I ended up getting a start, I suppose. Um, but yeah, as for the Beer Tent, I know they did attempt a comeback. And they did try to produce an episode or two. But I think it was very short-lived. And I think it was maybe one or two episodes. And that was it, tops. Um and as for the Droning On podcast, I can't sing its praises enough. I think the Droning On pod is absolutely fantastic. If you haven't listened to Droning On, by the way, yes, we know they're not a weekly podcast, as you mentioned, but the content that is produced over there is just so well thought out and produced. Yeah, I'm absolutely a fan. It's long-form conversations, and they're so interesting. Uh, so shout out to Jim and the Droning On podcast. Keep up the great work, mate. I, yeah, absolutely am a fan. Uh, but obviously, that weekly drone that uh, you know, he liked the weekly content, I guess. What makes us different here on Rab Show? Uh, no idea. I guess uh, one of the pluses, I suppose, is that it's just me. Uh, whenever you look at all those other podcasts you mentioned, uh, like the Beer Tent, Chanter Rant, Lady Pipers, is that there's more than one presenter on there. There's teams of people involved all on mic, as we call it. Um, and, yeah, whenever you're trying to coordinate multiple people to be in one room at one time to record an episode... It can get very difficult, you know? Uh, so, hey, it's just me. I'm sitting here in my garage with a big script in front of me with three screens around me and a microphone. Um, so, uh, yeah, essentially we do our best to prepare the show each week and then it's up to me to put it together. Uh, so, hey, that is what it is and that's, I guess... I don't know, that maybe it's a lot easier from that aspect where it is only just one guy and a mic and that's it. And it, it does have a massive degree of difficulty when there's more people involved, I guess. Uh, but, hey, there you go. That's not to say that them other podcasts out there are not absolutely fantastic. I have to agree. You did mention that they're worth their salt. Yes, I completely agree. I'm a huge fan of all of them. And, uh, yeah, it, it is regretful that they haven't produced content now in a while, unfortunately. But, uh, hey, we may well see them back in the near future. You never know. You never know. Uh, but I do know that Chandarant were approaching episode 200. I don't think they've actually hit it yet, but I do think that they have actually recorded it. I think it has happened. It just hasn't been released yet. So, uh, that yeah, we'll have to wait for that one. I, I guess. Uh, but yeah, shout out to all of those podcasts. If any of them are listening right now, we do miss you all intensely. And as you heard by that weekly droner there, they're just curious as to how we can keep the wheel turning, and and you guys don't for some reason. Uh, but hey, we all have lives, absolutely. You know, and this podcasting game. It's not an easy game, for sure, uh, but yeah, that's it. It's one of those things. We do have a team of people here that work insanely hard putting the show together. I don't underestimate that for a second. And uh, yeah, I'm just the, the agent with the microphone, I guess. And I hope that explains it. There you go. Yeah. All right. So hopefully that answers your weekly drone by way of explanation. Uh, but there you go. That does... Yeah, you can send us in your thoughts, feelings, questions, and opinions, warts and all, as you've just heard there, uh, through our Weekly Drone feature. So go to our website, thebigrabshow.com forward slash weekly drone.
Yes, indeed. And uh, yeah, if you have any thoughts or opinions on piping-based podcasts or anything that we produce here in the Rab Show or anything that we don't produce on Rab Show, then please do let us know. That's the way to do it through Weekly Drum. Completely anonymous. Best way ever. There you are. Alrighty. Well, that's it. Word of the week, weekly drone, all that stuff. We've done our introductions. We've done listener mail. It's been quite a busy start to the show. But I think at this point, I'll take myself a little break before we get into all the news and updates then. Do you wish piping could be fun again? Bagpipers around the world continue to struggle with their instrument, despite hours of hard work trying to get better. Bagpiping should be fulfilling. Your hard work should pay off. Showing improvement and the freedom to express yourself musically. Or why do it? The Dojo University believe every piper should be able to free themselves from musical frustration. Proven over more than a decade of successful teaching and accessible anywhere with an internet connection. The Dojo is unlike any other bagpipe learning experience in the world. Let the Dojo channel your enthusiasm into a fun and fulfilling program that will empower you with the knowledge to fall in love with piping all over again. So go to dojouniversity.com forward slash bigrab and take advantage of our 30-day free trial of Dojo Premium Membership. Join the global community of students today and rediscover the fun of bagpiping. dojouniversity.com forward slash bigrab for a 30-day free trial. Ah, yes. Time for all the news and updates here on the Big Rab Show podcast. And uh, before we get into that again, I do know that, I, well, now thanks to that email there from Deb that that a good lot of people from the dojo, uh, Piper's Dojo, actually tune in to the Rab Show pod. So hello, everyone. And especially if you've took advantage of that 30-day test drive and that. Uh, yeah, honestly, it's such a fantastic offer. And uh, yeah, now the nights are getting darker, you know, you're sitting in the house with nothing to do, possibly then... Hi, why not flip open the laptop and give Dojo U a shot? And you never know. Yeah, your piping could come on leaps and bounds. Or even if you're a beginner. Indeed, you could, yeah, you could, you could be flying. Absolutely. All right. Let's get into the news and updates. Of course, you know rightly, I'm going to talk about the World Solo Drumming Championships, which happened this past weekend. And man, what a competition it was. Can I just say that the footage that we got, the live stream that was presented by RSPBA, wasn't without its problems. There was sort of uh, audio-visual issues throughout. Uh, you know, sometimes the announcer came through and blew your eardrums off, and sometimes you couldn't hear them at all. And then another, yeah, it's just niggles, you know. But honestly, very little to complain about. I have to say the standard of musicianship on offer uh, for the adult final was just... Oh, just incredible. All right, can I just say that? So, yeah, absolutely. I'm absolutely stoked that, yeah, the standard was ridiculously high. And uh, well done to absolutely everyone who was involved, for sure. Can we give full congratulations, of course, to Stephen McWhorter? Stephen McWhorter! Who wins again? Yeah, and not a bad competition. And, uh, yeah, to come out on top at all. Uh, yep, yeah, absolutely outstanding. So going through our top six then for the adults, uh, we had Stephen McWhorter coming out on top, of course. Uh, yes, 
absolutely stellar performance. We had Garth McLeese then from the Field Marshal in second. We had Mickey McKenna then from St. Lawrence in third. Willie Glenholmes came in fourth then from Loman Clyde. And Derek Cooper uh, from Inverarian District in fifth position. There you are. Uh, so, yeah, top five. Absolutely, you, you couldn't disagree, especially when you had the chance to listen to the performances. And I would urge you to go back and have a listen if you possibly can. There you are. So that is available now up on the RSPBA uh, YouTube channel. And I think there was a bit of confusion over the YouTube channel and how it all worked and everything. Uh, so, th- yeah, I think they did create a brand new channel. Not sure exactly what happened. Uh, but, yeah, there, is, there now seems to be two RSPBA YouTube channels. Um, not sure, uh, but please make sure that you're subscribed to both because we just don't know where the content's going to come from on either channel. But uh, yeah, their brand new one that they created, uh, yeah, does seem to have everything from the world uh, drum and solos from this past weekend from the adult grade. So definitely go and catch that. So of course, for other uh, sections, of course, juvenile section one, the march went to Robbie Casey. Yes, not bad. Of course, he's from People's Ford. Uh, so juvenile section two went to Tiernan Kavanagh from Arklow. Yep, go on, the mighty Arklow. And well done to Keir Tiernan there, absolutely. Uh, Tommy McAndrew from Port Leithen picked up the Juvenile Section 3 MSR, so well done to Tommy. Uh, looking at Section 4 there for the Juveniles, we had Holly Chalmers, yeah, from Turrifan District. Not bad at all. Well done, Holly. And then on to Juvenile 5, then we had Blair Beaton from the 78th Fraser Highlanders from Canada. There you are. So, I have to say, overall, I think the performances from the snare drumming have just been outstanding. I've said, I'll say it again. I know I'm repeating myself now at this point. But, yeah, and I'm, I know I'm not getting in even into the tenor drumming and all that. But, again, if you do want to check the full listings for every, everyone who won what and everything, go and check it out. It's up on the RSPBA website. Uh, but I have to say, congratulations to Jordan Bailey, who lifted the uh, tenor drumming world title there. Well done, Jordan. All right, so that was the World Solos. You can go and watch it back. We did get a few questions about that. As I've said, you can go and visit the RSPBA YouTube channel, uh, the new one, and uh, (laughs) you can go and check out all the action uh, from that. I think the full live stream is up there. Uh, So there is breaks in between musicians and stuff, but you can kind of skip ahead now because it's recorded. uh, So you can fast forward, rewind, and yeah, which I've been doing, if anything. Yeah, I've been really enjoying that. So yeah, shout out to RSPBA. Thank you uh, for providing that service for us who couldn't be there. Indeed. I have had comments from some of the competitors and people who were at the event saying that it was incredibly well run, a great venue, uh, but we did get some comments saying that possibly spectator numbers were down from previous years, uh, but considering that we haven't been able to have a world solos now for a few years thanks to the pandemic it's just awesome to see it back again and we do hope to to see the event going on from strength to strength and uh that 2022 will be a year of building i guess and we're hoping 2023 will be an even bigger year absolutely but yeah i have to say full congratulations to stephen mcwarder an outstanding record of wins and uh yeah full congratulations well deserved there you are all right now, just following the World Solo Drumming Championships, we're not just getting away, you know, away from that just yet. As soon as that event happened, there was an announcement that was put out about the future of the World Solos. Uh, talking about next year's event, 2023, uh, the semi-final. Uh, so this is all a bit confusing. So to read their statement in full, it said it should be noted that the 2023 Adult Solo Snare Drumming Championship will be a semi-final and final event. Only. Right. There you are. So just a semi and a final. That's it. So there's no qualifying now to get through to the semis. Oh, 
so that's put the cat amongst the pigeons. Now, what are they replacing it with is making it something even more interesting. There will be no qualifying heats held in the morning. The competitors in the semi-final in 2023 will be those who have pre-qualified by being placed at one of the RSPBA Adult Solo Drumming Championships. Right. So, if you want to make it through to that semi-final at the World Solos, you can't qualify on the day. You now need to pre-qualify by going to some other event and possibly winning it. Yikes. Uh, So I guess this is down to numbers, I guess, and the amount of competitors involved. Uh, But also we did mention that there was a little bit of controversy about, you know, players being pre-qualified and putting in different groups and how they're selected and stuff. Yeah, it was all a bit mucky. So now I think they're trying to clear this up. Uh, So removing the qualification on the Saturday and just having a semi and then a final. There you are. So the events will include uh, the Intercontinental Solo Drumming Championship. Yeah, that's in Dunedin in Florida. Uh, We also have, is it, uh, let me see, the Scottish Solo Championship. Yeah, in West Lothian, indeed. Uh, We have the Euros as well. Indeed, Kingdom Thistle, all of that. And then we have the the Pacific Solo Championship as well. And that's going to be held in British Columbia and Canada. And so we have the British solos as well, and that's in Glasgow West at the Piping Centre. And we have the UK solos, which is going to be held in Northern Ireland somewhere. We don't know. Uh, but yeah, details on those events remain a bit vague. And whether there will be you know, any other opportunities for international players, we see one event in Canada, one in the US... Uh, but there is an argument to possibly extend that, you know, because we do know that there are a good number of solo adult drummers who compete from around the world. Namely, yeah, Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, they're from everywhere. Uh, so, yeah, I guess if they want to get through to that semi-final now, they're going to have to put in some air miles, I guess, to try and qualify and get to one of these events. So... It's a big incentive. I understand the reasoning behind it. It's a big incentive to, you know, for competitors to attend these events and to try and win them. So that'll up the competitiveness of these events. Uh, but it will also, yeah, it may well restrict it in a way. You know, but having these events and these events alone, um, it does kind of make our solo drumming scene a little bit more interesting. So, uh yeah, that's going to be an interesting one for 2023. But we'll be yeah, we'll be following this one with interest for sure. To seeing who does manage to get that pre-qualification spot. Well, it's now not pre-qualified. You're just getting straight through to the semis, aren't you? So there you are. Very interesting development there for the adult solo snare drumming. And uh, uh, yeah, we'll follow that one. There you are. For, for, of course, for full information on all everything that I've just discussed there, go along to the RSPBA website, rspba.org. The full you know the full announcement and along with all of your explanation about how that all came to a decision it's all up there now uh, along with the minutes as well from the last board meeting if they were just published there too if you do want to have a read at that and fall asleep uh, but they are there the minutes of the last board of directors meeting are up there which was held on the 8th of october they were all right so that's pretty much all the news and updates and stuff from the rspba themselves uh, let's get into what's happening this weekend then shall we Oh, it's time for Glenfiddich, baby! Woo! Yep. Oh, man, I I can't tell you how excited I am for Glenfiddich. It seems to be. I've been talking about it now for the longest time, and it's just awesome to see it opening its doors again. Blair Castle for the 49th annual Glenfiddich Championship. 
Oh, this is going to be so good. So, Saturday, 29th of October, of course, depending on when you're listening to this, it may already have happened. Uh, But, yeah, for those listening as I record this on the 26th, we're all sorts of excited. So, we have our competitors. We have Jack Lee, Callum Beaumont, Glenn Brown, Jamie Forrester, Alec Gandhi, Nick Hudson, Wally McCallum, Angus McCall, Fred Morrison. The legend! And we have Connor Sinclair. So, yeah, I've mentioned this before. Uh, but, honestly, I'm so excited for Glymphitic. It's just going to be ridiculous. Now, I do have it on good authority that the in-person tickets are sold out. I think you can't get them now anymore. But, of course, this is Glymphitic week. Uh, so, you're not going to get it. You know, you're not going to be able to get through that door now, Blair Castle. But... You're not out of luck. You can still go and purchase our live stream ticket, uh, which is available through the National Piping Centre website. So just go to thepipingcentre.co.uk. Tickets are 15 quid, but as I've been singing the praises of this before, uh, the live stream is available for you to watch on replay for a full seven days after the event. Now, that's unheard of. They haven't done that before. I think they've kept the live stream up for maybe 24 hours. That's been done Uh, But not for the full seven days, as far as I'm aware. So, even if you happen to be working that weekend or you've got something else on, and you happen to miss it all, then you've got a full seven days to watch it whenever suits. And, yeah, again, I'll explain. You have the the luxury, then, of fast-forwarding, rewinding, and watching again. Uh, So, yeah, it's definitely worth the price of 15 quid. So, go along to the National Piping Centre's website right now. Grab your tickets for Glenfiddich this weekend. And I absolutely cannot wait. I dare say there will be some blistering tunes had, for sure. Now, I also have to give a shout-out to the National Piping Centre and their YouTube channel. Uh, There wasn't a piping show from them last week on their YouTube channel, which was a shame. Uh, But they have released an episode this week, uh, just yesterday, in fact, uh, where they interviewed Jack Lee, who is at the National Piping Centre right now, preparing for Glenfiddich. So it's just brilliant to hear from Jack Lee. Such an interesting interview, actually. Dan Nevins uh, carries out the interview and asks him a lot of very interesting questions on setup, read selection, and chanters, and all of that. It's just very interesting. Uh, so, yeah, go and check out that interview with Jack Lee. Uh, such such an interesting chat there, all about his process. And uh, he's a former winner, so he knows what he's doing. And so, yeah, he'll be heading to the boards at Blair Castle to defend his title this weekend. So good luck to everyone, as well as Jack of course <laughs> yeah to everyone competing at Glenfiddich we want to wish you the very best of luck we do know a good number of you actually listen to the show so have a good tune and uh, yeah we will all be rooting for you watching the live stream on Saturday I really can't wait so I have absolutely planned my weekend around Glenfiddich I don't know about you guys but uh, yeah I will be watching the live stream from 10am when it goes live all the way through to the finish and then no doubt I'll hit rewind and I'll watch it all again because I don't I'm, I don't know maybe this is very nerdy of me but I watch it all as it happens and then once the results get read out I go okay right I have to go back now and listen to the performances again and see if I can hear what the judges hear Do you know how they're able to separate these people I have no idea absolutely no clue because the standard is so high at Glenfiddich I just don't know how the judges do it. Uh, So, yeah, I always watch it back again on replay. I don't know. Maybe I'm just being a big nerd. But there you go. So, yeah, very excited for Glenfiddich this weekend. Go along, nationalpipingcentre.co.uk. Grab your tickets for it. It's definitely going to be an outstanding event for sure. All right. I have to give a mention to bands that are recruiting, of course. And one such band is Bucksburn and District. They are 
Yes, they are in recruitment mode, I guess. Uh, they put out an advertisement saying they're actively recruiting a new leadership leadership team to direct their grade 2 band. A team of a pipe major and lead drummer who will want to take on the role or any other player uh, who would wish to take on any part of this, then definitely consider reaching out and contacting the band. Yeah, the band are pretty well established at this point. They have a great learner system in that with the Novice Juvenile Band and a grade 2 band uh, full of pipers and drummers. So this could be a great opportunity for anyone wanting to take up the role. So if you are interested, then do contact Boxburn and District Pipe Band through their social media or you can email them at boxypb at gmail.com. There you are. So they're looking for a pipe major and new lead tipper. Interesting. There you are. So yeah, shout out to the mighty Boxburn Pipe Band. I wish you well in your recruitment mode. There you are. So on to our next news story, and this did come as a bit of a shock to the piping world. There was a very sad news of the passing of Andrew Wright, who sadly passed away there on October 23rd. This was announced on bagpipe.news and honestly did come as a bit of a shock for everyone in the piping scene. Andrew himself won both gold medals back in 1970 and he was taught by pipe major Peter McLeod Sr. and of course uh, Donald McLeod and pipe major uh, Bob Nickel. He was also a member of course of the famous Red Heckle pipe band under the pipe majorship of uh, John Weatherston. Now we know uh, Andrew has you know it's been a member of the Peabrick Society and he served as president as well and he was a highly influential member of the music committee as well. Now he's written many books of course uh, one of which includes Included the general principles of Peabrook, and uh, a, you know, which was a, a guide and a bit of an interpretation into Peabrook music. And uh, we know that he carried out a lot of master classes here in Northern Ireland, and I do know a lot of folks here that attended those and gained a lot of knowledge from that. And uh, yeah, he was prolific in the piping scene with helping people understanding the big music, but also. Yeah, pipe band fair as well. Not just involved in the solo scene, but they're very much involved in pipe bands. Uh, he was a judge, of course, of note. And as recent, uh, well, in t- 2007, he was a recipient of the Belvany Medal as well. So, yeah, an absolute uh, stalwart of a figure in the piping scene and will be sadly missed by all of us. Uh, so, quite shocking news. So, from all of us here on the Big Rab Show team, we do want to send our sincerest condolences uh, to all friends and family at this sad, sad time and yeah definitely uh, will be missed by all for sure so from talking about piping we have to move on to a little bit more drumming I guess this episode's very drumming focused isn't it uh, but, uh, yeah, we have to give a shout to the British Drum Co., of course. Yeah, good friends of ours uh, help support us. Uh, but, yeah, we have to mention them because, yeah, in recent days on their social media, they've been publishing videos, which is like brief interviews and stuff like that, of, uh, yeah, lead tipper David Henderson from Police Scotland and Federation Pipe Band. And David's been there thumping his way on the, the axle snare drum and talking all about the British Drum Co. and the drums themselves. And it's really fascinating, actually. Uh, so, yeah, if you are interested in checking that out, then head along to the British Drum Co. on social media. And, yeah, you get to see David doing his thing on an axial snare, but also talking about the relationship between the band and the company. Uh, it's actually quite an interesting insight as well. So, yeah, yeah, shout out to the British Drum Co. Quite an interesting series of videos there, for sure. Indeed. 
All right, well, this is a little bit of a local story, I guess, and one of which that uh, may not mean much uh, for international listeners, uh, but it's one definitely that would mean a lot for folks here close to home. We did talk recently, of course, about the passing of Her Majesty the Queen, and now, obviously, King Charles is on the throne. Well, a lot of people were in conversation in the bagpiping world that we knew that Her Majesty the Queen had a piper known as the Queen's Piper. Uh, But there was concern about whether His Majesty, the King, King Charles, will keep on the tradition and having a King's Piper. Well, yeah, pleased to report the BBC News put it out there today, actually, uh, that the tradition is continuing and that every day at 9am that there is a piper playing at the monarch's window for 15 minutes to make sure he gets out of his bed in the morning. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so yeah, it is part of a centuries-old morning ritual, which I think started back with Queen Victoria. So it's nearly 200 years, I think it's like 180, 190 years, something like that, that this has been happening. That uh, there is a piper allocated to the monarch and has this role of responsibility. And uh, if anything, reading the report here... Um, that we got from BBC News and the, the, you know, basically announcing that the King's Piper is staying in his role and continuing on to play for the monarch. Uh, put on a bit of, yeah, they interviewed uh, the Piper here and asked how oh, this was such a fantastic little anecdote, I guess, about Her Late Majesty. Uh, so he told the BBC, it was a pleasure as Her Majesty would stand and watch you play. Recalling a visit to Windsor uh, for Royal Ascot Week where he accidentally called the Queen... Your Royal Highness. Whoops. Uh, so he then went on to say, I said, I do beg your pardon. Uh, and then, good afternoon, Your Majesty. She then grabbed him by the arm and said, Pipey, it's been 60 years since someone called me Your Royal Highness, and I quite liked it. <laughs> There you go. So I love that. If anything, Her Majesty the Queen was definitely known for her dry wit. Uh, so there you are. And we do know that uh, yeah, the Queen was certainly a fan of bagpipe music. And yeah, it's great to have that confirmation that uh, King Charles as well also has that love of the Great Highland Bagpipe. We do know about his close association with the National Piping Centre. Um, we, you know, we have seen videos from him and stuff over the course of the pandemic encouraging people to continue to engage in their practice. And, and all of that. So that was very encouraging. Uh, so now that uh, Charles is now king, um, yeah, it's just awesome to see that tradition, I guess, continue. There you are. So I just wanted to mention that. It probably means nothing for all of our international listeners, but uh, yeah, we did want to give it a mention on the show. We do think it is worth reflecting for sure. All right, another band that is recruiting. Yes, there's tons of them at the moment, but I have to give a mention to Camelon and District Pipe Band. They are recruiting, and they are looking for experienced pipers to play next year in Grade 4A. They're also looking for complete beginners, uh, so from ages 10 to 18, who would like to pick up the chanter, tenor, snare drum, whatever they do want to hear from you. So you can email them at camelonpipeband at gmail.com, or you can check them out on their social media, of course, Camelon and District Pipe Band who are furiously recruiting at the moment, taking people on at all levels. Absolutely. Yeah. And speaking of social media and everything, uh, there's one pipe band actually who have launched a brand new Facebook page and uh, are going to be going uh, going through a Meet the Band feature. I love these. Now, I do know other bands have done this. I think Wake have done it in the past. Uh, I think um, did. I think the Kill Dog do one. I can't remember. There has been other bands that have done the Meet the Band feature. Uh, well, Drumlock... 
pipe band uh, will be doing this and I'm really looking forward to it because there's some real good characters in that drumlock pipe band uh, so just yeah wanted to give them a shout on the pod this week looking forward to their meet the band feature and uh, yeah please do go and check them out on their Facebook page give them a thumbs up shout out to drumlock and uh, yeah we do know there's a good number of uh, good characters in that band who will give us a good a good laugh I reckon so <laughs> shout out to drumlock really looking forward to that for sure they are So on the subject of social media, I have to say that a lot of musicians, of course, involved in the solo drumming at the weekend have a ton of performance videos up there. Now, we've done what we could to try and share all of those as we got them. Uh, There's been a load of them uploaded on We Love Pipe Bands as well. Uh, Basically, anywhere we have found them, we've done our best to share them. Uh, So if you are aware of any other performance out there that maybe we haven't caught just yet, then please do send them our way and we'll happily share them out there on the Rab Show social media. So if you are wanting to get caught up with everything that did happen at the World Solo Drumming, yeah, social media is where it's at, as well as the RSPBA YouTube channel. Uh, so, yeah, go and check it out in Rab Show. Uh, on Facebook and all the rest, where we've done our best to share out everything possible. But if we did miss something, again, please do let us know and we'll do our best. All right. I have to mention then about the Mid-Argyle Pipe Band. Now, we've been talking about this now for a few weeks, about how they have been seeking a brand new lead tipper. Well, the band have now announced that they have appointed a new lead tipper. Woo! Yeah, shout out to Angus McLean, who's the brand new, yeah... Brand new lead tipper at Mid-Argyle. This is very exciting. So Angus has been with the band, of course, for a number of years as a core player prior to stepping up into the new role. So we want to wish him the very best of luck. So, yeah, the band are heading into 2023 in Grade 3B. And, uh, yeah, we want to wish the band all the very best. And to Angus as well. Stepping into that role of responsibility is never easy. Uh, but we are interested to see what you're going to bring to the back line there musically. So, yeah, shout out to Midar Guy. Can't wait to see you in the circle. And congratulations to Angus on your appointment there as lead tipper. Yeah, drum sergeant of Midar Guy Pipe Band. Exciting stuff. Yeah. Now, on last week's podcast, we did talk about the Celtic Connections Festival, and there was a ton of questions asking about the various gigs and concerts and where to grab tickets. Again, I have to stress, go along to the Celtic Connections website. That's where we get all our information, and that's where you will get it too. Um, So, yeah, it does take a while. However, you will spend a bit of time delving through everything, because there is just so much from the Celtic Connections Festival. So, yeah, we did try to give you some highlights, of course, the big Vale of Athol concert and that. Uh, There's so much. Yeah, so go back, listen to last week's pod if you want. Uh, But there is tons, tons of content there from Celtic. So go along, check out their website. Full listings of the entire festival is up there. That's where you can go and get it, all right? So anyone that's been asking us questions about Celtic, that we've just sent them the link for the site. It's on there. There you are. All right. Shout out to another band, Denny and Donny Pace. Yes, they're looking for an interested snare or tenor drummer wanting to take up a new challenge. Yes, this is for the incoming season for their Grade 4 development band, uh, but also, at, yeah, their Grade 3A core as well. Uh, so if you are interested, then please do contact them. Denny and Donny Pace Pipe Band through their social media or even ourselves here in Rab Show, and we'll do what we can to put you in contact. Uh, so they do have uh, an email address. Of course, the lead tipper there in 3A is Bruce Smith. Uh, so his email is brucesmith373 at gmail.com. There you are. So, yeah, get in contact with Bruce there and the guys at Denny and Donny Pace Pipe Band if you are interested in taking up the role. If you're a snare drummer or tenor drummer at all and you fancy jumping into grade four or even possibly 3A, you never know, uh, then uh, give the guys a shout there and you never know your luck. Indeed. 
All right, we have had a lot of content over the last few days all about the Rab Show Awards and voting and stuff. And like I said, there's a video up there. That's at the beginning of the pod, in case you didn't listen. Uh, but <laughs> I do know some people skip ahead, you see, that's the problem. Uh, but yeah, there is a video explaining everything to do with Rab Show Awards and the voting. So that's all up there now. All right. I have to talk about a new story that broke over the weekend, of course, that was the 46th Silver Chanter Solo Piping Championship in New Zealand, and also the Open Piping uh, Solo Piping Championship was in New Zealand this past weekend as well in Christchurch, and I have to say a massive well done to Liam Kernahan, who won the clasp there, the former runners, yeah, so well done, Uh, but also the Silver Chanter went to Hamish Reid, absolutely, so there you are, and again, for full information, of course, there is an article on that, you can get it all on Pipestrums. Dot com, but I have to say, full credit uh, goes to Liam, and uh, yeah, absolutely, what a fantastic result winning the class there. Uh, Stuart Easton came second, actually, so yeah, that tells you the standard that's there. Uh, so yeah, and Silver Chander, I went to him, as I said, but second was Logan Dale. There you are. So yeah, just wanted to let you know that happened over the weekend. Maybe it got swept under the rug a little bit because it happened around the same weekend as the World Solos, uh, but absolutely, go and check it out. Full details of that are all up there now. And uh, yeah, full credit as well to Greg Wilson, I have to say. He swept the board uh, for the Open and A grade at the New Zealand Championship. Uh, so yeah, picking up the Peabrook, the March, March to Spain Reel. And Hornpipe and Jig. So yeah, shout out to Greg Wilson there. <laughs> Not a bad weekend's work there, for sure. Sweeping the board, I guess, at the New Zealand Championship. Yeah, but there you are. So that's the class former winners, the Silver Chanter, and the New Zealand Championship all happened this past weekend. Full congratulations to everyone involved there, for sure. Also, this past weekend was the Festival of Juvenile Solo Piping competition, which took place in, now I'm going to butcher this, uh, Okanagarvi Academy? I've probably pronounced that terribly wrong. Uh, but there you go. That happened on Saturday the 22nd. And I have to say the junior champion then was Owen McCready from Boghall. Senior champion went to Gregor Grierson from Dumfries. There you are. Uh, there was a whole rake of other prizes for under 14, 15, 16, 17 and so on. You can go and list all of those on bagpipe.news. But just wanted to let you know who the overall champions were. And uh, yeah. Congratulations to everyone who was involved in the juvenile solo piping competition. Again, that's another one that possibly did get swept under the rug, I guess, because the world solos were happening on the same day. There was just so much happening, I guess, uh, in the piping scene. It was just a bit crazy to try and keep up with all of it. So there you are. So uh, some solo piping competitions were had as well as some, uh, so yeah, the solos drumming and all of that as well. So there you are. All right, let's get on to another new story then. Now, we do have it on good authority that the Yuspaba Association managed to have their AGM online, as far as I'm aware. But elections are still ongoing, I think. The ballots are still out. And I'm not sure exactly of the full process yet and whether people have been voted into roles of responsibility or not. But there was quite a lengthy update that was published on their social media, uh, on news and updates and everything. And, uh, yeah, it was extremely detailed. Uh, So I don't know if you folks managed to attend the event or not. I think you could have tuned in through an online live stream. Uh, But I do know that I think that, yeah, the ballots and everything for roles of responsibility within the branch are still open. I I don't think that has been concluded yet. Uh, But, yeah, shout out to everyone on Yuspapa who are working behind the scenes and making things happen. And as soon as we do have any further updates from Yuspapa and people who do get voted in and stuff, then hopefully we will have that update for you as soon as possible. So, yeah, if you're in Yuspapa and you maybe attended, then give us a shout. Let us know how it went. But uh, reading that lengthy update... 
mm, yeah, difficult, uh, but uh, yeah, interesting at the same time. Uh, but there seems to be a serious amount happening at the Yuspaba uh, executive election and all of that. So the ballots are still out, uh, but mm, there you are. I don't think we have any conclusion just yet, but we are waiting on that. There you are. So that's to come, indeed. All right, another news story. I have to say a big congratulations to the City of Angels pipe band who have been upgraded. Yeah, I don't know if you managed to catch this story or not because, again, it was caught during all the middle of the madness that was the world solos. But, yeah, the City of Angels put out on their social media uh, that they have, yeah, they have announced that they have been upgraded to Grade 3. Yes, full congratulations to everyone there at the City of Angels Pipe Band. That is a testament to your hard work, folks. And honestly, having listened to you in person (laughs) out there in California, I honestly thought the band sounded fantastic. So, yeah, full credit to all of you there at the City of Angels Pipe Band. Absolutely outstanding. And so, yeah, whenever we hear of bands getting upgraded, it, it's, it happens for a reason. It doesn't just happen by accident. So a wealth of hard work employed there by everyone there at the City of Angels. Uh, so well done to everyone uh, getting upgraded. Indeed. Oh, I also have to give a mention, uh, following our podcast last week with Kilmore Software, we did have some difficulties with the promo code that they'd offered as part of the interview. Now, we did contact uh, Ian again from Kilmore Software to say that it wasn't working. Uh, We do know a good number of you out there did try to purchase uh, some Kilmore Software and take advantage of the discount. Uh, But unfortunately, the discount code wasn't working, so that has now been rectified. Just wanted to put that on the pod this week. It's now been fixed. Uh, So if you do want to save money and purchase yourself some Killmore software then please do use our promo code BIGRAB99 which is in all caps and uh, I know it sounds like a shameless plug but I'm just following up on last week's episode I do know uh, some folks who have tried using that code but it didn't work Uh, so yeah unfortunately it wasn't all singing all dancing on the day of launch uh, but yeah teething problems I guess but we now have that fixed it's been rectified and uh, so yeah that promo code is now working. You can now go and save money just by listening to the pod. There you are. Just wanted to drop that in there. All right. All right. You guessed it then. At this point in the show, it's time for Topic of the Week. Uh, so, again, as always, if there is anything that we've managed to miss on this week's show, then please do email us in. BigRabShow at gmail.com and let us know. Oh, Rob, you never mentioned this story, that story, and the other. Uh, no doubt. Next week, we are going to be talking all about Glenfiddich and wrapping everything up from that. But, yeah, if you do have a particular news story or anything that you do want us to put out on our pod, then please do contact us. Our email box is always open. BigRabShow at gmail.com. That address again, BigRabShow at gmail.com. There you are. All right. I reckon it's time for me to go and get myself a big cup of tea. It's time for the topic of the week. The British Drum Company is driven by their passion to create the finest marching drums for those who recognise and value the highest of standards. The Axial Series is the British Drum Company's flagship pipe band range. Axial's distinctive aesthetic owes much to its X-frame cage system. This futuristic hardware is designed to complement all of the amazing shell finishes on offer, such as the Phantom, Smoked Walnuts, and the very popular Merlin finishes, of which there are three new additions for 2022, Platinum, Violet, and Emerald. The bass and tenors now come with Georgian oak hoops, which feature their head stress management system, and wide mass claws for all-round better tension across the heads. The British Drum Company's Axial Series is innovation defined, designed and engineered for you to look amazing, sound amazing, and feel amazing. (laughs) 
McLennan Bagpipes by North Carolina artisan instrument maker Roddy McLennan from Euston, Scotland. Proud supplier of bagpipes, small pipes and chanters to Ali the Piper. One-of-a-kind instruments crafted from the finest materials using traditional skills for more than 30 years. Attention to detail and dedication to the highest standards of quality guarantee you a bagpipe which is more than just a musical instrument but also a work of art. Custom made for you in a variety of wood with the widest range of profiles in the industry. Repair, restoration, replacement, refurbishment services also available. Check out bespokebagpipes.com for more information. McLennan Bagpipes, born in Scotland, made in the USA. Wallace Bagpipes, quality, pride and passion, made in Scotland. Proud bagpipe supplier to the Red Hot Chili Pipers. Visit wallacebagpipes.com for more information or contact your nearest dealer. Ah, yes. Time for Topic of the Week. And, uh, yeah, we've got quite an interesting interview for you this week. We have Barnaby Brown and Professor Joshua Dixon, uh, who are involved in yeah, a pretty well-known project now. We've talked about it before here on the podcast, but we did think that this would be perfect timing, especially for a lot of drummers listening, myself included, uh, those of which who are just curious about the world of Peabrook music, uh, but also for those who maybe know a thing or two about it but would like to learn more. With the Glymphitic Championship coming up this weekend, we dare say you're going to hear some incredible Peabrook music being played on the stage at Blair Castle. So why not delve into the Peabrook Network? And yeah, this is the project that both Joshua and Barnaby are involved in. And it's honestly such an incredible resource. Now, what I will be doing over the weekend, full disclosure, is I'll be watching the Glymphitic Championship as it happens and listening to the music as it's performed. But as the tune is announced before the piper comes on stage, I will be on the Peabrook Network searching for that tune to find out the backstory learn a little about the piece of music that I'm listening to, its history, its background, you know, the reason it was composed in the way that it is. Such a fascinating resource, the Peabrook Network. If you haven't looked at it yet, that honestly, you're missing a trick because we're about to get into all of why this is such an incredible resource. So, without further ado, yeah, let's welcome Joshua and Barnaby to the podcast. So, welcome to the podcast, Josh Dixon and Barnaby Brown. Lads, how are you? Are you well? Very well, thank you. It's yeah. lovely to be here. Thank you for having us. Oh, no problem. Well, if anything, I want to be chatting to you for a very specific reason, uh, the Peabrook Network. But first of all, I want to kind of give a little bit of an introduction of yourselves. First of all, your background and music and how you get snared in with this magnificent project. <laughs> Can I start with yourself then, Josh? You're actually head of Tribe Music at RCS, not right? Yes, that's right. Uh, so I've been head of traditional music at uh, the Royal Conservatoire of Scotland for longer than I ever thought possible, to be honest. It, um, <laughs> it causes me concern, you know, but uh, at this stage, but it's been about 14 years. Wow. Um, yeah, so mm. I know whenever I think about that, I think, oh my goodness. Um, so I, 
I grew up in a, in a, in a piping family, of course. My, my father played um, all through the 1970s. And, you know, there are uh, still uh, kind of heirlooms in the family at home of you know, like a, a newspaper clipping photo of myself at the age of 15 months or whatever it was, kind of looking up at my dad, playing in full dress uniform at the, the local Highland Games in Alaska, um, of all places. Uh, and, um, you know, I got a set of a toy set of pipes when I was three years old. I think, and uh, and I'm, I'm the the family legend is that it was the worst Christmas of my life because uh, uh, they wouldn't play because they were a toy and I couldn't actually get them to, to play properly. Um, so yeah, so it's been in in the house, it's been in, in my life for a while, and uh, um, I uh, took up kind of more formal uh, training in, in pipes when I was a little bit a little bit older than three, but. Um, uh, but that led me to Scotland, really, amongst other things. I really wanted to know what life was really like in Scotland at, when I was in my teens and without holding any, any particular illusions. Um, and so I took the chance to go to university in Aberdeen uh, when I was 18. So I came to Scotland for that. I didn't know anyone in the, in the hemisphere, um, but I felt like it was, uh, I was driven by this idea that it was the right thing to do for me. Um, and that that's worked out really well. I think I really felt fortunate to be able to have, um, fallen into the the laps of the Aberdeen University Celtic Society in the early nineties, kind of mid nineties, and uh, and I had a degree in in Gaelic studies then at that point, um, Gaelic language, um, and uh, and then you know my, my piping had kind of continued to pace at that point, somewhat both within university and outside university. I was taking lessons uh particularly Pieber under the uh the eyes of Jim Hamilton who's still in Aberdeen or in the Aberdeenshire area um and um and both Gaelic and piping led me to um a, a PhD in Edinburgh uh thereafter and um and then for after a wee while uh, a range of things took place and I found myself in, in Glasgow in the conservatoire um and so that you know via the route of you know, um, playing occasionally with um, Hamish Moore's group at, at that time. Natrishiatan um, um, involved with Alan McDonald's um, Battle Lines to Bar Lines series, 2003-2004, uh, thereabouts. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so I kind of took that that experience with me to the conservatoire originally as a project manager for the graded exams in traditional music and thereafter as head of the, the BA, what was the BA department there. Um, and that since really blossomed into a, quite a big department in the conservatoire, um, quite a, a big constituency within the school of music. It's not the, uh, um, the, the other that it was, it wasn't the, like the, the, um, um, the, the, the side degree, um, that was, uh, all, the alternative to the, to the real bread and butter of the, the, the school of music as the classical degree program. Um, so it's very much head and shoulders with everything at this point and, and quite a, quite a, a good, good group of students, um, fantastic group of staff. Um, and we've just gone from strength to strength. So um, my my personal kind of journey as a piper has um, has been part of that whole process for you know since day one, uh, and it's really led me to to wherever I've gone. Yeah, wow, fantastic. So, Barnaby, what about yourself then? How did you get involved in the music scene in general? Well, I, I grew up in Glasgow. Uh, so I began my piping at the college with Tommy Pearson uh, for a year, and then and then Seamus McNeil. And, and I must say, Seamus McNeil, I thought he was a wonderful teacher. Uh, I looked up to him like, God, you know. And no, he was a high, he was a druid. 
<laughs> and, and, you know, uh, um, so that was weekly Wednesday night classes um, from the age of eight to, to I suppose, 12. Uh, but the most inspiring people who had at that age was actually with old Fred Morrison. OK, uh, Fred's dad. Um, and I've just, you know, it was, a, it was an incredible experience because there I was quite kind of, uh, uh, you know, an upstart. 10 year old maybe uh, uh, um, who knew how to read music okay because I I made um, my first early sort of music education was making bamboo pipes okay with a wonderful Swiss lady who got us to compose our own music make make instruments so we made these instruments hole by hole um, wow. and I learned to read music uh, sort of one note at a time uh, with a with a bamboo pipe that I'd made myself and I love that so anyway I could, I could read music now old Fred when I started questioning him and saying but that's different to what's in the Colberry book that we were looking at. Um, and he got so angry. Oh, His no. blood <laughs> boiled. He, he, was, he was ready to rip up that book. Because, and, and, and it left a deep impression on me. The fact that this guy passionately knew what, what it, the music was about but it really did not correspond to what was on the page. So I had, that was one of my early people experiences. And then I had a wonderful kind of, you know, meandering voyage. I sort of, I got fed up with the Knightswood Novice Juvenile Pipe Band and playing in the rain at Cal, waiting, you know, six hours if you're playing first and, uh, uh, for the yeah. march past at the end. And in, in the rain, I loved watching the drum majors, okay? That mm. was what kept me in the band, all right? <laughs> there you go. Uh, I, th- I just, I just thought it was fantastic, and I loved the drumming. I thought that was really creative. The, the, the sort of, uh, the, that was where the creativity, the invention, the fun, the, the innovation was. Mm. And I found the piping boring. I have to be honest. I just, if there was yeah. no creativity, you would, you were trying to sound. You were sixteen five. Was trying to sound like one. Mm-hmm. Cassette tapes were being distributed. I just, I was having flute lessons. I was having piano lessons. I, I gave up the pipes, and I didn't touch the bagpipe for ten years. Uh, wow. During that time, I became a um, you know I really put my energy into flute playing. I I was I was principal flute of the National Youth Orchestra. Uh, did two years uh, pl- you know playing in the Royal Albert you know Royal Albert Hall and doing big big things with a, with a symphony orchestra. Love that great conductors. Um, I then uh, did a music um, undergraduate uh, uh, degree at Cambridge and sang you know five days a week with with Gonville and Keys College Choir. So we were sight reading different music. Uh, um, Every service with three services a week and uh, never repeat uh, uh, anything. So wow. huge amount of music, yeah. the best possible music, music education, amazing range from the eighth century to, to music that was written yesterday. Um, and in my last year as an undergraduate, um, I had to do a dissertation. And I discovered in the Cambridge UL um, the People's Society books. Which, yes. And I and realised I did actually have a couple of them on my shelf. I think I had books six and seven on my shelf. Um, um, and I discovered the whole connection in, in the Cambridge UL. And suddenly my childhood experiences, old Fred, Seamus, came back to me. And I did my, my third year dissertation on Pibra. Wow. Um, um, and that's what brought me back. And a couple of years after that, I, by that time I was playing, you know, Baroque flute. I was interested in early, in historic, uh, uh, um, well, what's now called historically informed performance. So you, you're looking at, at, at manuscripts and, and figuring out how things might have sounded 300 years ago. And I realised that nobody was doing anything of the sort with Pibroch. You know, it was treated, it was treated like a, a folk music. It wasn't treated like Bach or, 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 or Mozart um, or Monteverdi. Um, mm. It was kind of outside um, the university or conservatory environment. It was not understood. People were clueless. 
I was in a very prestigious music faculty. They knew nothing about people. And that fired me. Mm. <laughs> and, and, and so I, from that point on, uh, uh, um, uh, mentored, I suppose, you know, I met Alan McDonald, I met Peter Cook, um, uh, Bridget McKenzie, Keith Sanger, Hugh Cheap, uh, people who were doing research um, into Pibroch. And, uh, and it was Donald McPherson who, who I really found inspiring. Um, and I was privileged. Oh, my goodness. I've realised how privileged I was. I had hours and hours and hours and hours with Donald beyond the task of interpreting all the unpublished or all, all the Pibroch that fell out of transmission. OK, I said that was what I was interested in. Um, um, I'd gone through the Campbell Counterock. I'd got uh, um, hold of a facsimile no, of a microfilm from uh, the National Library of Scotland of, of uh, the two volumes. OK, 400 pages of, of, of Hiderum Hoderum. Mm. And I was living in Berlin at the time over a microfilm scanning bureau. So the microphones arrived from the National Library. I hopped downstairs and, and got them scanned. Um, and I spent, I actually wrote, I was terribly proud of myself. I wrote a script to process the images and print them out. Okay. That was the first time I'd ever written a script, but, you know, but I managed <laughs> to print out the entire Campbell Cantorock and it had horrible microphone scratch marks through it. Okay. Um, but I actually, I think, was one of the first people to have access to the whole thing. Uh, this was in 1997. Wow. And I printed, yeah. I, made, I made three copies. I posted one to Franz Bartman, one to Roderick Cannon, and kept one myself. Um, and, and just set myself the task of transcribing all the, uh, all the unpublished tunes, the ones that weren't in the People's Society collection. You know, I figured out, you know, what were they? Franz Bartman helped me with all the concordances, you know, uh, um, and Roderick Cannon also had his concordance tables. Uh, but Franz, wow, that was, he was a serious researcher. I mean, formidable. Um, and and so there were lots of corrections to to you know the People's Society's concordances, which were inherited from um, Archibald Campbell Kilberry, from uh, the Kilberry papers, constantly being sort of corrected. Uh, Franz made huge additions and corrections, and so my undergraduate work was was kind of integrating all the concordance work that had been done, um, and that just then continued. And so Alt Pibroch was born as a result of that undergraduate dissertation then evolving over the years and then when i uh, came back to cambridge and then you know 20 years later <laughs> uh, uh, to do a phd um, i sort of tidied up further work further discoveries more sources um so that um, it was just a bit of, so that you could be rigorous and you wouldn't miss anything so that when you wanted to learn a tune say you know the blue ribbon mm -hmm. You, you wouldn't hit that terrible confusion of discovering, oh, but there are actually three different tunes, all called the Blue Ribbon. Yeah. <laughs> well, which, which, one I want, which one do I want to learn? And then you discover that, all, that, that that Blue Ribbon goes under different names in other sources. So if you just want to get all the evidence for this Blue Ribbon, not that Blue Ribbon, <laughs> together, <laughs> it was impossible. I mean, completely impossible. So that was my work. And that was what Gee. I handed over to David Hester. That's bound to be a frustration, really. I, I know even with putting together some contemporary collections is that tunes commonly known here in Northern Ireland are known by one title, but also then in Scotland they're known by something completely different. I'm sure that happens a lot in the Peabrook world. Well, it's just the nature of oral transmission. I think all uh, um, types of music all over the planet, every single culture where, where you don't have music notation. I mean, let's be honest, music notation is exceptional. It's very mm. unusual. Most cultures everywhere. Um, everything that is othered 
by Western society <laughs> mm. uh, um, uh, uh, is orally transmitted. And it's a grave mistake and it's very unfortunate that there's this kind of, um, you know, a bit like racism. There's this sort of, we look down on music that hasn't been notated. There you are, indeed. Well, I have to say, this new resource that Pipers have at their fingertips has been, I don't know, it's, there's so much information on here uh, for those who want to get really heavy into their research and everything into the, the subject, but also for complete beginners like me, um, who my only background on Peabrook is Dan Evans' book in, the, in recent years, uh, Peabrook is for Everyone. I read that book initially and I went, wow, I now kind of suddenly understand everything. Uh, so that book was really my introduction. And then with the announcement recently, the press release uh, about the establishment of the Peabrook Network, um, do, do you expect more free people to get introduced to Peabrook now as a result of this, Josh? Yeah, well, we certainly hope to. That is the inspiration. That's the, the, the drive we've had. And that drive goes back all the way to, to David Hester back in 2013. Mm. Um, he was an American, uh, um, I want to say, Barnaby, correct me if I'm wrong, but he, he had a, a, a biblical scholarship kind of background, didn't he? He was involved in yes. kind of rhetoric, the, the, the rhetoric of biblical yes. Yeah, I mean, his his sort of research background was biblical studies and, and the history of, of rhetoric. Yes, yeah, that's right. And he, uh, at some point, there was this, you know, like all of us, there's a, a light bulb moment that happened with, with David. I never actually knew him. I never met him. David, uh, Barnaby, you were the uh, the one who really worked um, uh, in depth with David back in 2013 to set up com or the Altpebrook Club. Um, and his zeal his vision along with uh with, with barnaby's was very much to to make this as publicly accessible as possible to create in effect a research database but not just research in the sense of um of uh, a book on a shelf um or papers collecting dust in a library this was about artistic research about performance-based research practice-based research it's about in a sense the phrase he himself captured um uh, back then learning living pibruch Mm. Um, it was about taking the oral formulaic nature of Peabrook or what we can glean from it today, which has survived uh, very much thanks to the journey of Peabrook up to now um, and uh, and the work of so many stakeholders over the last century, a couple of centuries even, um, uh, taking that and trying to take a historically informed performance perspective and a kind of methodology in order to fathom um, how Peabrook my, or what was the vigor, what was the vitality and the variability of Pibruch as an oral traditional culture and, and product of that culture? And how can that be translated to, to work today? So obviously, of course, that journey then crossed paths with Alan McDonald, uh, who, of course, in the mid-90s had his MLIT thesis, which set the heather on fire with regards to the uh, more historically informed uh, perspective on, on Pibruch. Um, as a as a as a living thing, and uh, so Alan was involved um, uh, certainly between 2013 and 2019, and um, uh, and so David's zeal at that point, his vision was to make things really publicly accessible, to create a database not just for quote unquote researchers, but for artists, for pipers, for musicians everywhere, yeah. and to make these make the the early repertoire of Pibruch as accessible as um, the, the Kaveri book has been. He was, a, he was wonderfully practical. 
and he wanted to make things accessible and comprehensible uh, because he came in, you know, as a violinist uh, uh, um, uh, uh, and and kind of and as a piper. Um, uh, so so a kind of broad musical background. Um, uh, and he. Yeah, he was a rebel, and and I think he believed in being a in being a rebel in order to um, elicit change and imagination and, and and innovation. So that was his strategy. Okay, it was it was a it was self conscious, and he um, uh, it was exciting. It was uh, terrifying <laughs> working with him <laughs> um, uh, because he was a real a real rebel of the best uh, sort, free of any form of shackles. Um, and and that uh, uh, I think, you know, there has been a transition uh, and I'm just so pleased uh, uh, and grateful to Josh and to the Royal Conservatory of Scotland for taking in what had been a personal website by a uh, um, an amazingly energetic and, uh, uh, you know, inspired uh, uh, man, David Hester. Um, with me in the background, you know, feeding him things uh, because I was, uh, you know, I was a researcher and I, you know, paid for by the taxpayer and I sort of felt a duty to to support anyone who asked. Um, but <laughs> but the speed with which he moved, my God, it was scary. Um, and so the, the 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 what's I suppose happened, I could characterize it in, in a sentence is is going from it being the innovation, the innovative, uh, uh, risky, risk taking experimental ideas of one individual to a vehicle to allow everybody in from every walk uh, and talk and tradition within uh, 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 the, the whole Peabrook ecosystem to be able to discuss and share and explore in safety and not feel that their ideas are going to be bitten, jumped on, squashed or uh, uh, made to feel inadequate. And that's that I think is important. It's a place where it's safe to be experimental and to explore other ways because it's not the Alan McDonald site or the David Hester site or the Barnaby Brown site. It is a site for innovation, artistic vigour mm -hmm. and, uh, and imagination open to everybody. Oh, I love that description. I think that's very accurate. So I think for those who are actually watching the video right now on YouTube, we're actually going to have a quick look at the website here. So this is pbrook.net. For those listening on the show, I would urge you to go and have a visit at this website. Honestly, uh, a very quick you know, feature on a podcast or on a YouTube video here right now is not going to do this website justice. There's uh, so much material here. Um, for those who have a real in-depth in, uh, interest in Peabrook, but also for those like me who have very little understanding, I can obviously learn so much uh, from this website. Uh, so as for, you know, we've already noticed here that it's not just for pipers, it's for a wealth of other musicians as well who could use this as quite an amazing resource. So Josh, have you any comments on the site? What do you believe people would, would gain from this? Absolutely. Um, as you're seeing there on the on the shared screen, um, it's really we're we're trying to create a sense of interdisciplinarity and mm. complementarity. We want people to come together and discuss, um, to, to respond to each other's ideas. Um, but all that, of course, comes from a. It can only come upon a, a foundation of of information and and the source material itself. So at its heart, it's really about gathering together the primary source materials, published or unpublished. Um, up to um, the more the 
what I might call the mainstream age of of Peterbrook. So I think we have all the um, again thanks to David and and Barnaby uh, from about 2013 onwards. There's about you know, all, all the published and unpublished manuscripts that we know of in Peterbrook um, mm. up to about 1854 uh, are there on the site, and they're organized in such a way that it should be pretty easy for someone of any level, age, or aspiration in piping, or indeed any other musician or researcher or anything at all, to be able to go to that top navigation menu that uh, that was there on the shared screen, go to source material, or go to sources, or go to explore, and you could source, you could go, you could um, you can either type in any particular tune that you might know already, or if you don't know anything about Pibra, you might go straight to the source materials, and you'll see, oh, well, we've got listed um, all the uh, the sources from, uh, you know, Joseph MacDonald, 1760, up to Angus Mackay's uh, and, and and other you know specimens of Caltrach and the, the published collection and the unpublished manuscripts in the 1830s and so on up to mm. 1854, um, and also non-piping sources. This is something that is, was was very important in the construction of the material and the gathering of the material for the database was being able to incorporate uh, source material relating to Peabrook but coming from non or non-piping sources. So Oswald's yeah. Caledonian companion of the 1740s, um, Daniel Dow of the, the 1770s, Donald Highland vocal layers of 1784, uh, and so on. Um, all these materials, which are ostensibly you know, uh, violin music or um, not necessarily specific to one instrument, will have artifacts. Um, the tunes that, that pipers will know within the Peabrook repertoire um, featuring there. And so they become artifacts of their, their time and their, their place. Um, but from the point of view of someone who's not necessarily a piper, uh, like Oswald or MacDonald, uh, or they might have a, have a, a, a knowledge of Peabrook, they might have a knowledge of piping, um, but they'll be, be set somewhat differently. So there's something to be learned. There are clues in terms of rhythm, uh, time and place, the, um, the, the specificity of uh, let's say uh, the Fingerlock or the Men for uh, Macintosh's Lament or any of the, these classic tunes. Mm-hmm. They're there, these ostensibly non-piping sources, and they can give us an idea. Once once they're set, um, uh, they're listed against piping sources like Angus Mackay or Donald McPhee or um, uh, Colin Campbell's Countrach or or so on. Mm-hmm. You know, you can go to any particular tune page on the site now, and they will be all the sources will be listed one after the other. Um, non-piping and piping, and you can actually then compare. So, and whether you know, we, in a, in a way, as pipers or as musicians, we're all researchers, and that's something that actually in the B modest traditional music degree that we run in the Royal Conservatoire, we we ingrain that in students from day one that as a musician, whether you be a fiddler, snare drummer, a piper, uh, a Gaelic singer, or whatever, you're also a researcher. These things go hand in hand, um, and so. Regardless of your your aspiration, your age, your ability, you know, or what you want to do or where you go, um, you've got the 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 freedom to go and explore these tunes, to be able to compare source material. And actually, this is the main thing for me, sort personally, my kind of personal commitment to this, is that you have the ability then to do what I would call is kind of triangulate source material to create your own unique footprint. So you could take, let's say. Um, uh, let's say there are seven or eight or nine different sources up to 1854 or even beyond up to the, the end of the 19th century that um, uh, that have a, a variant or a setting of this particular tune. Let's, let's go back to the Blue Ribbon. 
um, or, or one of the one of the blue ribbons, put it that way. Um, you have we all have the ability to be able to review all the source material relating to that tune, um, to draw from each source what speaks to us individually, um, rhythmically, melodically, ornamentally, motivically. Um, you know, what do we enjoy? What really speaks to us in that way? What 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 we find most musical? And actually combine those things, triangulate, actually combine these things into a setting or a very own that is absolutely unique to us. So let's say I could do that and I could play a version of War Peace or the Blue Ribbon um, or the Fingerlock. And it could be drawn from half a dozen or a dozen different source material um, so that what I'm playing is completely unique to me. No one on the planet would play the tune at that moment like that. Oh, but smashing. every single <laughs> element, every single constituent element of the tune would be drawn from tradition, mm. from traditional parameters, from the source material and the evidence before us as pipers. So there's no one thing that isn't traditional in that regard. So it's a way of using the canon and the material that we have that that uh, that we have that is bequeathed to us that we have inherited thanks to the the zeal and the the commitment and the efforts of others before us we can stand on their shoulders as it were and each of us create something unique to ourselves but is drawn from that well of tradition um that is um impeccable so this is a is a site that allows every one of us to do that Absolutely. And uh, well, if anything, what I've been doing now, this is probably quite nerdy of me, but uh, as you say that, you know, we are researchers and just as being a musician in general, and I've been picking out tunes from the last Glenfiddich Championship, right? Because I didn't have some of these people I've never heard before. Um, so I was typing in their name in the search engine going, oh, right. There's like 12 or 18 different, like all sorts of different source materials. Like you say, I've learned so much already you know, just by doing that. And then I kind of opened the door to all sorts of other different tunes and locations, historical events, all of the, it's just been fascinating. So I've been spending so much time on this site, even as a drummer. <laughs> well, that's so, great. That's just, that is part of the aspiration. I think uh, that Barnaby and I have had, and, and, and of course the whole core team um, is the idea that in, in the longer term, because this, the site that we see now, that's kind of what we call the end of phase two. And there is a phase three that has to, has to come about. Um, and one of the aspirations is to develop the site further so that there are lots of, as Barnaby has said in the past, ways into the music, ways into the repertoire, ways into the, into the people world. Um, so that just as you're describing there, Rab, the rap, um, you can go onto the site and the the navigation journey that you take going from from menus and going to wherever it is you want to go um is every step of the way there's something to learn there's some bit of information or there's some sort of contextual um note to, to regard you know, stories places um yeah. tunes uh, the people involved the folklore mm. and singing and so on. don't forget and singing yeah, and the singing, of course. Yeah. Uh, and so that <laughs> when you leave the website at any given occasion, it's impossible not to have learned something. Um, you'll be able to walk away knowing something about that tune or something about that particular, you know, the place. Yeah, we're interested in, in sort of bringing it to life, making it sparkle for people in primary school, okay? So that, so mm. that you know, their interest, their routine, heavens knows what it might be. Uh, but we're, we're wanting to, to, to design it uh, very strategically for interoperability with in with 
global resources. We're just trying to think globally. Okay, not with PBROC as this kind of niche thing that happens in Scotland or in a particular, you know, locked in its own chamber. No, yeah. we want we want the most mainstream resources to all find it. You know, big one, Google Maps. As you're driving past Colin Campbell's cottage, okay, just a little bit wow. north on the coast from mm -hmm. from um, Ard Maddy Castle, um, you know, up pops as a little historic site. Colin Campbell lived here, author of Campbell Counter. I'll click the link. It takes you straight to a Peebles Society resource, uh, uh, the Peebles Network resource, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. And Historic Scotland, you know, all those buildings. There's a wonderful resource, Canmore. Um, where uh, it's community driven, people can, uh, archaeologists can upload the latest information and these relate to the stories of the tombs. So if you're wanting to learn about, um, you know, Kriyakrisht, okay, which church was burned? When was it burned? Well, it's, well, the, okay, the stories are attached to different places, but the, but the strongest candidate um, is, uh, is, you know, it's somewhere and you can learn all, all about that story and what actually the, the music's all about and my goodness it changes how you play the tune when you know mm. about the event that it commemorates that's it well folks i have to say i am absolutely a fan of this project and now with the recent press release that we've seen there in august um, about the funding i think that the future for the site is actually very bright can you want to tell me about the, the recent funding josh yeah absolutely um, you're absolutely right. That was something very, very welcome, and uh, and it's something that can help to ensure um, the the long term viability of the site. The, the site itself, as a um, uh, as a legacy of of David Hester's original altpebrook.com, um, is all about the long term. It's a slow burn in a certain sense. I mean, things have have had a good good pace so far. We've things have have uh, have been uh, we've been able to develop things fairly quickly within the last year. Um, but it is about the long term, and so the um, the endowment fund that's been created, thanks to the generosity of its benefactors, um, uh, provides for a modest um, kind of income that comes from the kind of the interest of, of of the capital in that regard. So, as a permanent endowment fund, it's it's not an absolute fortune, but it's enough to provide a kind of a baseline um, that enables us to start to leverage for further fundraising in turn from infra, uh, from um, uh, different stakeholders uh, uh, you know, research councils and uh, and so on and so forth to pay for things um, that can um, uh, allow for um, uh, the, the collecting of of uh, copyright information you know for for estate papers and um, mm. it can um, it will just allow for um, allow us to to start to create um, a, a more strategically developed list of projects that we can then start to start to um, uh, start to uh, to begin at the conservatoire and deal with sure. partners, organizations like the Piping Centre and others. If I could jump in there, um, there's something symbolic here. Well, two things. Um, the first is that um, this is a this is a you know that I, what I've seen over my lifetime from you know growing up in Glasgow in the in the 70s and the position of piping then um, excluded from your you know conservatoire or universities you know you we wouldn't dream in fact you know if, if you i know um one of the governors um at the uh, what was then royal scottish academy of music and drama um asked provocatively uh, um in about 1984 okay early 80s um shouldn't uh, um shouldn't scotland's conservatoire teach the bagpipe mm -hmm. laughter 
The question really? wasn't answered. It wasn't a serious question. Wow. The response at, at board level, this is 84, okay? Long mm. time ago now. Yeah. So we've been on a long journey. And so what I feel is important about this endowment, actually, is it's a leveling of the playing field. And so I, I've worked in lots of different traditions. Um, and actually, there's just something wrong, something injust. This is about, you know, diversity, inclusion and, and, and equity. Um, the, you know, the Highland bagpipe, not just people. This is not about people. This is about the, 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 uh, uh, the most prestigious musical instrument of, of Gaelic Scotland and Ireland at an early period. OK, uh, and it, it's been kind of appropriated by Scotland. But you go back to Angus Mackay and, you know, McCrimmon uh, studied in Ireland. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so so there's an important and a tune. We've got so many tunes uh, uh, with Irish connections. So this is part, you know, we're we're we're, we're um, it, it's an international tradition that has been pushed down and suppressed and put into a little corner and and, and this uh, um you know there's a lot of of bad othering that results from colonialism so peabrick network is about thinking okay well people are coming in from outside we want to be open to the world and we want don't want people to get a a, a kind of bad impression that this is a ghetto and we're, we're kind of fusty and dusty in here no we're we're outward looking we're forward looking and we treat our tradition absolutely on a par with any other tradition on planet earth so if harvard university can have thousands of endowment funds for all sorts of niche things we can jolly well have one at, at, at national level in scotland <laughs> <laughs> yeah there is something symbolic about that it's the in a way um you can say the same thing back when the the ba in scottish music was created in 1996 it there was very much a symbolism attached to that there was a, a political and a cultural um, uh, and symbolic um, significance to the creation of the BA degree because it was about capturing and recognizing the value of Scotland's traditional music at the highest level of conservatory training. And that's continued unabated. It's gone from strength to strength uh, up to the current age of, of the BMOS traditional music and in its, in its inclusive nature. Um, you know, it's as a department, it's, it's music is very much Scottish, but it, as a department, it's quite global. You know, we, we have people from all over the world. Um, and so we see the same political, cultural, uh, um, uh, yeah, kind of a cultural significance attached to the endowment fund currently for the Fieber Network, because it shows the conservatoire um, as a national conservatoire, as a national, high national institution, um, and, and of course, the benefactors of the trust placing um, something in, um, into the, the fabric of the institution that is going to mean an attention being paid to Pibroch. And of course, symbolically wider still to the Highland Bagpipe as, um, as, a, as a long-term prospect and as a, uh, at, the, at, the, at the level that it should. And of course, that in itself was also presaged by the part of the National Piping Centre, which goes back about 2000, 2001. So for over 20 years, we've had that partnership with the Piping Centre, um, which is, again, um, you know, that, that meant the offshoot degree, the actual specific degree in, in Highland Piping, alongside the traditional music degree, um, again, is continued strength to strength. So um, there, is a, a, there is a sense that the endowment will lead to, to many things, but it's symbolically uh, just as strong an indication of the health of the future as has the partnership with the Piping Centre been, or indeed the, the, the creation of the, of the, uh, the bachelor's degree back in the 90s. Um, so it's the latest symbolic and real, like substantial, meaningful gesture um, 
that uh, on the on the road to Peterborough being this in, in, inclusive, internationally recognized, um, uh, and um, yeah, I- inclusive form of music that will not cannot just be the reserve of of, a, of an elite few. It can be something we can extend to the primary school classroom, the high school classroom, um, and all sorts of musicology seminars and so on. Universities all over the world. I think it's also terribly important to be inclusive. Uh, uh, I talked about the inclusivity um, with other musical traditions, but within Peabrock, there are so many different communities who all uh, have an, a, a, a different kind of engagement with Peabrock. And we want to, to, to level the playing field there so that people don't feel excluded from, from what's a magnificent musical tradition and a very deep and rich one, um, um, which you can look at and engage with from all sorts of different angles. And they're all valid. They're all, they all have their authenticity and they all have deep roots. I mean, some people, let's just take Alan MacDonald, okay, as an, example, uh, as an example. He's not a kind of solo. He's part of a long lineage of people who felt uncomfortable with what was happening in, in competition. It goes right the way back. Uh, um, to the very earliest sources. So, so it's, you know, so he's kind of picked up that. And, and so I think you have in every uh, walk of life, you have something that's established and that is maybe the conservative, the orthodox, mm-hmm. uh, uh, canonized uh, um, version of events. And then you have um, other views around it, which bring, which, which, actually bring it to life and, and make it more interesting you know you could take a church as, as, as an example uh, there are many churches and I think within Peabroch we're, we're, we'd, we'd like Peabroch Network to be part of uh, an awakening and uh, making it acceptable um, for people who felt excluded the groups that who felt kind of pushed out that people is not for them okay if you think Peabroch is not for you please come and we want to engage with you and make it something that you feel comfortable with now you could be a drummer there's no reason why you couldn't be improvising something that is for solo drum. And actually you're showing in the, your compo- your composing or your improvising that you completely understand how Pibrach works. Yeah. Drum solo. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. And I have to say, folks, it's an absolute amazing resource and full congratulations on all of your work to date. But as we can hear, that, that there's a wealth of work still ahead of you. So I do wish you the best of luck with that. Uh, so, yeah, so for everyone listening or even watching the video at home right now, please do go and check it out at peabrook.net. That's, that's such an amazing resource and uh, one of which I've poured many hours into already. And uh, so I don't apologize for it. So if you do happen to be wasting loads of time delving into all these tunes, that's on you. <laughs> but, uh, Please do. <laughs> I. So to Barnaby and to Josh, thank you both so much for joining us on the show this week. I really appreciate your time. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Fantastic stuff. And yes, there is a full video of that interview, which will be available on our YouTube channel in the coming days, uh, where we do go through the website and everything, as you've just heard. But honestly, folks, uh, this is for everyone. I know Dan Nevins has written the book, Peter is for everyone, and he wasn't wrong. And whenever you look at this network that these folks have created, it's an incredible resource. I can't sing its praises enough. Uh, so especially now with this weekend with the Glenfiddich Championship ahead of us and uh, yeah as I said at the beginning of the topic of the week I will be yeah on the Peabrook Network looking up all of the tunes that are going to be performed and learning about them as I'm listening to them and that's going to be 
yeah, such an interesting process. I'm really looking forward to that. And yeah, of course, if you have your live stream uh, ticket bought, it's available for seven days. So you've got a full seven days to learn so much about pre-book music. I don't know. I'm just going to be nerding out all weekend over Glenfiddich. I'm really looking forward to that. So again... Huge thank you to Josh and Barnaby for joining us on the show this week and telling us all about the Peabrook Network and the incredible work that they're doing there. So thank you very much. All right. So as I said, Glenfiddich Championship this weekend. I want to wish the very best of luck to all of our competitors treading the boards there at Blair Castle. Uh, I do know that a good number of them listen to the show. So good luck, folks. Uh, I know that you're busy in your preparations and everything. So uh yeah, best of luck with that. And uh, yeah, we will hopefully catch you on the other side as we crown our Glymphitic champion and no doubt we'll wrap it up all on next week's pod. Don't forget, as always, we do have a Patreon there. So if you would like to help support the show, you can. You can go over there to Patreon, click on support and get tons of extra content. Indeed. And uh, so yeah, and also it helps us turn the wheel here at The Rab Show. Indeed. All right, that's it for another Big Rab Show podcast. Don't forget the Big Rab Show awards are still happening right now and the voting actually closes next week. So the 2nd of November, the voting closes. So as the episode releases next week, next Wednesday, the voting will be closed and you'll be out of time to place your votes. So go now, thebigrabshow.com, place your votes for the Rab Show awards and hopefully your favourite will come out on top and lift an award. There you are. So place your votes now. All right, that's it. I'm out the door. Thank you all for downloading this week and each and every week. And don't forget to tell your mates about our wee show, about what we do over here. Talking about the love of this great Highland bagpipe and its music and, of course, its incredible people. Yeah, so we will see you all again back here next week for even more bagpiping goodness. Until then, we'll catch you all then. All the best. Well, that's it for another Big Rab Show podcast. Thanks so much for downloading this week. And a special thank you to our sponsor, G1 Reads. Played by bands around the world, they are the champion's choice. Played by two-time world champions in Vararian District. Don't forget to check out thebigrabshow.com to be kept up to date with all the latest news and views from the piping world. And also check us out on Patreon. For five bucks a month, you can get your hands on tons of extra piping goodness and be part of the Patreon faithful. So until next week, guys, we'll see you right here on the Big Rab Show podcast. All the best.